Libra Nation. I'm your host, Sophia Garfiasi, and this is Two Truths and a Tall Tale, a podcast that seeks to demystify what makes every zebra unique with a twist. Each week, my guest and I will play a game. The guest will share three statements about themselves, and then it's up to me to guess which of these statements is a lie, otherwise known as a tall tale. This week, I am joined by Callie Kane Kersey, Vice President of Global Talent and Organizational Development. Hi, Callie. Welcome to Two Truths and a Tall Tale. Hi, Sophia. Really glad to have you here. So I think you kind of know how this goes, but um, I want to hear your three statements. Okay. Um, Yes, thank you. So my three statements are, um, I have traveled to 32 countries and I speak uh, five languages. I have been uh, a DJ. That was one of my early careers. And also I spend a lot of my spare time, um, you know, around when I visit a city, getting involved in homeless charities. Oh my gosh, those are all very interesting. Um, I'm going to say the 32 countries and five languages. It it is. I've actually actually been to uh, near a sort of, I'd say I'm now at about 48 countries. Oh, wow. Subject to how many dialect, dialects, because in India you have a few. Um, I actually speak six languages. Yes, it was untrue, but there was some truth behind it. Well, you just went above and beyond that. So <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And the, the kind of story that I'd like to kind of pivot is, uh, is the one you didn't select, which was around being a DJ, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the story behind that is um, hard to believe now but um, I was quite a shy individual and when I went to university it was completely different for me in London even though I lived in the suburbs of London but actually being based in London and being in a you know, bigger university meant that I had to do things differently. I came from a pretty um, you know, orthodox Indian family, you know, very focused and uh, very protected. Mm-hmm. So suddenly I wasn't allowed to go in the, in the world. And I thought, gosh, you know, how do I be me, but also kind of, you know, kind of cope with the world a little bit? How do I find my voice? And what I didn't know at that time, one of the challenges I had was um, sometimes public speaking or standing up, I'd get myself very muddled and confused and and, and actually quite anxious on how I express myself. So I learned later on that I am quite severely dyslexic. Mm-hmm. So processing information can be an overload. I didn't know that. I just assumed uh, most of my life that I was different. Uh, when a friend of mine said, would you help me with just, you know, come along. I'm doing some DJing. I had no idea. I'd seen DJs. You yeah. know, I like music. I love music. And I, I realized I use music as a, a way to express myself. And I realized very early on, actually, this will be a great way to speak without speaking and have a presence, have an impact. And you know what I love? I, wa- I love watching people. I love watching people's reaction. And it was a great segue to that. And I learned very early on um, that actually I could create impact. And I love the thought of creating joy in people's lives through music. Mm-hmm. And I found a niche, um, which was taking kind of, um, I'd say, soul R&B and mixing it a little bit with, with what I today you would be calling kind of Indian Bollywood Bhangra music. So it was the first sort of fusion pieces of, of music. And I teamed up with a colleague and we called ourselves and some of you who are younger than me will probably go, who are those? We called ourselves Starsky and Hutch because it was a great program when we were growing up in the early 80s. Yeah, I And that. <laughs> um, we played uh, very, very fortunate, very much a European and UK market. We, we mixed 
we very much mixing no no language as such but a lot about movement and dance and you know for me it was a really powerful way of giving myself space in my mind as my thoughts and expressions come together and bringing it together with music it also allowed me to kind of look at yeah hey I've got skills here that I didn't know I had and um, you also learn very early on to observe people and know the reaction they're having and you never realize a DJ can have that much impact because you see it through physical movement but you also see it through when people are actually miming or singing the, the music, you know they're making a connection. And that has stood me really, really well as I've gone in my career journey, particularly in HR, because a lot of the time it's helped me listen more deeply. It's also allowed me to view people's reaction to messages I have, I've said. So even now when I present, I do get muddled. There's, there's, I'm never good at reading an auto cue as a lot of dyslexics aren't. But I always go back to that moment in time when I have a mass audience in front of me. No verbiage at all, but that moment where everyone's lost in that piece of music. I look for those moments when I'm conveying a message. I keep it really simple. Um, always smile and always allow people to kind of come with you on the journey. And I've been really privileged when I did DJing for at least uh, about eight years. And if I'd carried on, I could have been a Calvin Harris. I always believed I had that wow. opportunity. Um, you gotta, you gotta aim high. Uh, but I, in, in the UK, I was really fortunate enough, uh, places like Ministry Sound, Hacienda Club. We, early days we did, we were in the Ibiza circuit, which is a, a great um, music festival. Now it's not so, it's um, busy in different ways as well. But it really, as a student, um, and even after student, it was a fantastic way of obviously earning some income, but mm. um, connecting with people. And gaining my confidence. I mean, the largest audience that me and my, you know, friend um, played to was about three thousand people, and That's the smallest, um, yeah, smallest intimate um, menu would have been uh, probably about one hundred and fifty. And even now, um, I love taking pieces of music and doing my own mixing. You know, I hear things and I think, wow, we can do that. And and helping people um, de-stress um, as well. And I, I've been doing the situation we're sitting you know facing today I have encouraged a number of my teams to do silent discos which is put a piece of music and just stand up and then just yeah. feel that vibe it is um, very relaxing it helps you calm when you're going into maybe a tough conversation um, you know I've used it it's part of my coaching but above all I think for me DJing was a really a good way to help me gain my own confidence and help me understand that I can actually take the skills I have and utilize them differently. So it's, it's still a passion. You never know. At my tender age, I might go back to it. Um, but I still love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I still love it. And I couldn't encourage people enough to take that moment in music and, you know, express yourselves. And it doesn't matter, you know, what challenges you have in life. There's nothing, you know, nothing like losing yourself in that moment and absolutely feeling that passion and for me that was what I wanted to do you know DJ was DJing wasn't about you know it was about taking the music creating something you know bringing two cultures together mm -hmm. and then creating something fantastic for everybody who was there that they all left enriched excited exhausted 
and you kind of go, you know what, I didn't have to say a word. So that was the early days, but it's been an absolute magical journey and I still use those skills today. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think the reason I didn't choose the DJ one um, was just because it just seemed so out there that I was like, it has to be true. <laughs> like you have yeah, to be a DJ yeah. on, the, on the side. Absolutely. And I mean, music is so universal. Like you said, it, it brings people together. I mean, I know I'm, I'm no DJ, but whenever I'm at parties and then someone just puts on this song that has this collective meaning for everyone, the yeah. energy in the room is just crazy. I mean, it's amazing. you know, I have complete admiration for people like Calvin Harris because, yeah. you know, uh, David Getter, you know, they can absolutely command a room. Yeah. And they say nothing. <laughs> I know. I don't even think I know how their vo voices sound actually, right? But <laughs> one, you know, you one, yeah, one's very Swedish and the other's Scottish. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so I, I'm just wondering, like, out of all of your DJ experiences, is there one that stands out to you? There's a place called Ministry of Sound in London. It, it's, it's iconic. Mm -hmm. And there's several rooms we were asked to, to kind of do one in there. And um, it was a risky situation in the sense that nobody knew us and there's you know who's gonna there's separate rooms people just come into rooms yeah. or you know you you might have five people you have a 300 we were in one of the smaller rooms and we took a risk with a piece of music and um we were just blown away with just the vibe that happened and actually from a inclusion point of view it, you know sometimes mu music can segregate so mm -hmm. if you're an r&b fan you you kind of go i'm going r&b and yeah. in, in in the uk it was very much r&b soul and what i'd call normal pop music maybe mm -hmm. rock was kind of one way and and i think for me the pivotal piece was we actually were able to kind of find something that brought different communities together and um i remember there was a group called soul to soul Mm -hmm. They were um, DJs as well. They had the lead room and they actually came in afterwards because we had take so much interest because of the fusion, taking yeah. Indian music and putting it with sort of um, soul music and R&B at the time was just unheard of. And I think that's what I loved about the, the aspect of DJing. It wasn't so much uh, the music was one side of it, but it was the connection it gave people. You know, if I'd persevered, could I have made a career? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so there weren't that many women at the time. And yeah. certainly not many from my sort of cultural background. Yeah. There's still time. The there changing. is. No, I, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a great believer you have to reinvent yourself a number of times. Yeah, and I really like how you relate it to your career now in HR. It's like, well, how do the how do how does the gauging <laughs> and you know HR work together? But well, if you if you ask some of the Europeans, I am I have still known to on occasions when I'm invited the sales kickoffs, yeah, to uh, to take the uh, DJing podium and mix a few songs <laughs> for them. But uh, I haven't done that for a while, but I have been known to do it. Do you have a DJ name now or are you just... I don't know. Kind of yeah, no, yeah, no, Callie. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't. Um, uh, occasionally, the, you know, the teams will call me uh, K2 or Callie, um, special, special K. Special K. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. yeah. You talk about, you know, realizing you're different, you had dyslexia, and then finding the avenue of music and DJing, right? So do you have any, I mean advice what is like one thing of advice you'd give to someone who's kind of looking for that avenue now I mean and like you said people are 
we should reinvent ourselves. So you could be 20, 30, 40, 50 and still looking for that something in your life. What is your advice? Uh, absolutely. I, I think um, whether you have um, a disability or you, you do things differently, um, don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Mm-hmm. And actually pivot it to a, a strength that rather than something negative and find an avenue that actually just um, helps you accelerate that strength because that's what I did I, I absolutely decided instead of feeling oh gosh you know why can't I do this why why is this a barrier and uh, why can't I think or speak in the same way as you know others and and why can't I hear my voice um, instead of that turn it around and say well how do I utilize some of these behaviors that I'm having or feelings I'm having and you know my and and then find an avenue and I I'm a great believer that everybody has a creative gene they do mm-hmm. we just believe it doesn't matter if you're not Picasso but if you like to paint do it mm-hmm. you know it gives it gives you if something gives you pleasure and joy it actually um will make you uh, you know a much better person it will also keep that curiosity going and it it pushes your learning you know um does you don't have to be brilliant at things but it's an avenue um you you've got to have i I mean you know i always think be brave you know be brave and be bold Mm -hmm. and if you want to do something just give it a go well thank you for sharing your story callie it was great having you on thank you sophia and thank you for allowing me to share my story Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Two Truths and a Tall Tale. This series is produced by the Global Business Communications team with the goal of sharing the stories of the incredible people that make up Zebra. Make sure to check back every month for a new episode. If you would like to be on our podcast or know someone else who has a great story to share, reach out to us. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know in the comments below.